And now, Hollywood Prospectus. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Hold your applause. Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Prospectus Podcast. My name is Chris Ryan. I am a writer for Grantland.com, and in the studio, he has $5 on the little guy. It's Andy Greenwald! Oh, it's loud. It feels good to hear it in person. What's up? Just get it. Just feel, feel it. I like the energy. It's different. How you doing? Usually, I'm sitting here, and I'm just staring at you on a little box far away. Yeah, it's we do our own part in the interruption thing uh, screen to screen, but now it's in person. In the flesh. This is going to be a good It's show. like a presidential debate. This is going to be real. Uh, Andy, we're here to talk about Game of Thrones. We're going to talk yeah. about my Friday night in New York City, where I went and saw the Tony-winning musical, this is, Fun Home. I feel like we should start there. I've never gotten a text message from you that dripping in delight what do you think the venn diagram of people who are interested in game of thrones and interested in fun home is besides me i think the biggest takeaway (laughs) from last night's entertainment bar none was that kelly o'hara finally finally got what was coming to her she finally did the queen of the white way (laughs) um we're gonna talk about that we might talk a little bit about the new matt damon movie the martian yeah it's coming out we got a little trailer park coming yeah other uh other tv shows coming up too oh yeah doctor uh doctor strange Nope. Jonathan Strange. Redo. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norrell. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange would be uh, it's coming. a Marvel movie that's coming out. Yeah. Andy, let's talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Oof. Dance of Dragons. Parents of the Year. Uh, mm-hmm. You were not pleased with the handling of... Look, uh, as a longtime mommy blogger, I felt like... Don't don't kid yourself. <laughs> I'm just, here's what I'm saying. Your text messages ostensibly are a mommy blog. Potentially. Yeah. Um, it was rough. That was a rough one. Okay. I mean, here, here's... Let, let's start big picture, and then we'll just slowly work our way closer, much like the murderous flames did to the body of a 14-year-old. Is that how old she is? I was assuming. Oh, I, I thought she was like 10. Does that make it better or worse? Well, let's get, we'll get to that. You're probably right. Um... <laughs> Here's the amazing thing about Game of Thrones. This show has done some truly unspeakable things. Yeah. Some of them, I feel, from my great position as judge, jur- jury, and critical executioner, have been earned and done well. Some have been done less well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season has not just given us some truly awful scenes, but also given us whole plot lines that I think are enormously frustrating, if not kind of bordering on outright bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of those problems that have gone through the show and through the season were very evident in last night's episode. And yet, more, I think, but it was kind of still a good episode. And the show is still one of the most remarkable things on TV. And I think that's kind of incredible. I feel like I wanted to pay tribute to that, considering how much of the screen time was given over to Dorn, a storyline that I still have very little interest in. Right. And I find completely perplexing. And yet, the show ended the way it ended. And we're all still very much on board. Is, yeah. that, is that a fair assessment from the larger macro view of, of where we are in the season? Sure. I think that that's the conventional wisdom on it. I, I would not say that I was in in any way doubting my allegiances to Game of Thrones. I mean, I, I also yeah. just – I feel like I've got a very healthy relationship to this show. Yeah, you sense. seem good, by the way. Yeah, I, I just don't think months. it's like – this is this is not something that I'm looking to, to solve and or educate me on, like, social issues in my world. No, certainly not, and yeah. I would agree with that. I, as, a, as a, you know, as a parent, yeah. I definitely don't watch the show as an instructional <laughs> manual, you know? Good. Um, I should put that out there right up right up the top. Um, here's, where I, here's where I come down on this. Doing awful, unspeakable things is – fine yeah. in, in art maybe not in life but certainly in art and i i do have her hold those acts to a higher standard because i feel like if you're playing with excuse me if you're playing with fire you kind of have to 
earn that. You kind of have to, I'm going to hold it to a higher standard. You know, if you're going to be playing with things like of child murder okay. or rape or incest or any of these sort of, I don't want to call them hot incest button issues. you say. Uh- <laughs> I know you're a big fan, but of the other two, certainly. Like, if you're going to be doing those things, I want a good story around it. I you don't do want remember that in be- the first episode, they made Brandon to Greg Luganis out that window, right? They sure did, and I was not a big fan of that either. <laughs> those, the people who, you know, who who, who did the wind-up and knuckleballed him straight into the weirwood trees, <laughs> were that was not his parents. So, you know, no. again. Uh, for better or for worse. Um, so I'm saying I'm definitely holding it to a higher standard. And what I'm wondering here is if this is once again the show falling into this sort of uncanny adaptation valley that is problematic. And by, by problematic, I don't mean in terms of the, the themes that it's discussing. What I mean is in order to get the kind of character work that I feel is necessary to almost earn this sort of stuff, you need to have devoted a lot more time to these characters. And clearly, from what I gather from people like Jason Concepcion, our maester, and, right. and from Mallory Rubin, the books provide a lot more of that than the TV show does. Sure, they provide the, a lot. The TV show, because of the nature of both TV and the nature of this show, has to give us the Stannis-Shireen relationship in these sort of hard expositional downloads that end up being a little bit surfacy, a little bit on the nose, and so we get the scene where he seems like a good father, and then we get the flip side to that, right. where he's the worst father. Right. And I guess what I'm hoping for would be a little bit more wiggle room between. I don't know if that's possible. So I, I, I realize that I'm asking for something that probably will never come. Let me ask you this. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time with Shireen over the course of this season. Lovely young lady. Uh, we've learned a lot about uh, her love of books. She loves books. She loves reading. Yeah. Who doesn't? Um, well, me. I hate reading. Th- Given all the other moving pieces of the show, we've <clears throat> yeah. spent about as much time with a character like her yeah, who rarely leaves a tent. Totally. Um, than you can with anybody else. We've established relationships between her and her biological mother, yeah. between her and Melisandre, between and her father, between her and Davos. How is this, what just happened, mm-hmm. that much different than, and I'm about to do a Breaking Bad spoiler, so if you've not seen Breaking Bad all yeah. the way through and would like to finish that on your own, hit I think like the forward button like three or four times yeah. to get like I'm in ahead. How is that much that much different than what Jesse Plemons does to that kid in the desert? Yeah, well, I think that this is why this is very complicated. It's hard to sort of unpack all of these things in an overnight recap. It's definitely impossible to do it on Twitter, and it's also I will admit hard to do in the middle of a moving season. And I looking mean, me straight in the eyes, it's difficult. To I'm do freaked too. out right now. Your stare has gotten harder under that California sun. Um, <laughs> I would say that there are a couple things at play. One is the larger contextual reach of game of thrones which is to say there have been a pretty much unceasing series of events like this that have that are pummeling right you know there's there's horrible things and then horrible things and horrible things and when the sansa thing happened earlier in the season my takeaway from it was in addition i mean i made a number of comments about it but one of them was it it's very hard to be taught the same lesson over and over again you Mm -hmm. know i i i I find it extremely frustrating the other thing is that as Tyrion says and this was a pretty clever thing that that the showrunners did by including it in the same episode when he's speaking to his dar right before his dar gets his <laughs> lungs aerated <laughs> when those two are doing like al michaels and uh and pat Summerall next to each other i think it's a little bit more like like uh like dodgeball to be honest <laughs> yeah. but but it was close to that he says you know there's enough death in the world i don't need it in my leisure time well you basically. mean you don't need it on your sunday nights i'm kind of tired of watching this stuff and that's just me yeah and, and that's what the show is and i understand that but the Bigger picture again. I keep getting this bigger, bigger picture. We'll have to get in smaller at some point. Um, is that the most genuine emotional uh, expression on the show last night, and honestly, in a long time, 
was when a CGI dragon tried to nuzzle a queen. Right. Like, the tender embrace between this giant fire-breathing death monster and Daenerys was given much more of a, you know, sort of traditional soaring strings moment than yeah. any connection between two actual living characters. And I, I feel like by... At its most basic and most reductive, Game of Thrones can become this, like, punch board checklist of terrible thing, terrible thing, terrible thing, without the larger vibrancy of life and of the larger vibrancy of a world that counterbalances it. I don't mean to make it sound like I watched that Shireen scene and was like Jonah Hill and Moneyball, where I was just like, <laughs> yes. But I think that part you of your... the minibar I think that part York, of the difficulty that. people might be having with some of the things that happen in this show versus, say, something that might happen on yeah. Breaking Bad. And, and that scene I talked about with Breaking Bad is one of only dozens of terrible things that yes. have happened on that show is that one of them takes place in a recognizable reality and then the other doesn't. Yeah. And we it, it is really funny because I think we were joking about this before, but the idea that, you know, we, we often go back and forth about this, like, does Game of Thrones need to play by some of the same rules as our is our world or is, 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 is it our world or is our TV Western history or television or whatever? And I would argue, I would not say it was pleasant. I would not say that I didn't find it to be, frankly, like kind of punishing. Especially just like the march up to the mm-hmm. fire, the pyre, the and like the no, and then the last second change of heart by the mother and all that. Like it was obviously like mm-hmm. as punishing as it could get. But I would argue that it's like it pretty much makes sense within the realm of this world and is consistent with what Stannis has always kind of done. I yeah, mean, no, the, people have made arguments to me that I think are generally fair. I mean, I, again, I'm not. I, I think I'm not that heated about it. No, like, I know, I know. Um, We're just talking. We're just two guys in a room. We are. Isn't that weird? <laughs> um, there is a version of the show in which Stannis is given the breathing room to. So that we can actually see more of this descent into complete fanaticism, you know, and I think that Stephen Delane is has delivered a pretty interesting performance yeah. because he he's modulated so subtly what he, what, he, what he's doing done a from lot the beginning. with his appearance, yeah, and with his beard, and with, he's becoming more and more haggard as you know as, as he sinks into the snow in all senses, gaunt, um, like Lincoln. It's interesting, but the show just moves in so many different directions. You know, I I, I I've been criticizing. Benioff and Weiss a bunch this season, and I think that um, our maester is doing it as well in terms of moments that they've generated, both of which this season, both the most controversial moments have been purely theirs, including Shireen, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but I think what they're doing is the honestly the best they can in what seems to be increasingly a close to impossible circumstance. I mean, in terms of making everyone happy and keeping everything moving and giving everything the depth it requires, it's a lot. I still don't actually understand, like... Uh why she had to get burned alive. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm like, that, that seems like what, an inefficient way to extract King's her blood? blood. But I just don't even like, is, does now Melisandre go up with like a little dust broom that's and just be saying. like, I got you. Does she see us? Like, yeah, now we win. I don't understand. So leeches was one way to do it, but yeah. now we have to immolate, I guess, a preteen. I mean, this just I don't want to get too caught up because there, there was some really cool and, and worthwhile stuff to talk about in this episode. But I will just mention yeah. that surprisingly, when I woke up this morning, I found that, like, my reaction last night, which was that the Arya scene was, like, a thousand times grosser and more disturbing. When she was just just, just eating her own oysters? The hat, which was just, like, how are you not going to have a fresh lemon? <laughs> and then... <laughs> the mignonette. Yeah. Was where's the horseradish? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they actually all got burned alive in Stannis' camp, so that's why there's no horseradish. Just kidding. They're not made of horses. Uh... I found that the this, implication this was about to turn on a dime at the admission <laughs> that you thought horseradish was made of spicy ground up bits of horse. 
<laughs> like that. I know been, that that's not the, tr- the case. We would have called it is a weird name for a comedy. We would have put Jacoby and Juliet, <laughs> their food news pod, just crashed them onto the big screen up here. What if I like was like, let's do a food t- food news on yeah. the horseradish, yeah. and then like you came through, and then I was like, I have like five horses here. <laughs> let's let's grind them into spicy oh, okay. paste. This is, this is you know eggplant. <laughs> I just want to like ground this, like you know, right? Yeah, it's not. It's a nightshade uh, vegetable. Oh, that's good. Okay, continue. Um, the implication that Arya was like young enough for that guy, and that that was about to happen, because I think that that was like there was that menace of him just being too. Oh, why old, he was old. looking at her, and yeah, then yeah, she's yeah. there, and he's or looking potentially. How I know she... why he's looking at her. He probably recognizes her or something. No, I probably. Here's here's something the show has been doing a lot of this season. <laughs> Telegraphing. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember when Bron was like, Oi, me sides, I've been cut. <laughs> you know, in that the was, middle of a battle. I'm not trying to laugh at Shireen, but did she not? She had the, the longest batter circle swing of like, I love life yeah, I and know. reading. <laughs> you know? Isn't life grand yeah. watching the snow I'll fall? do anything for you, Dad. Also, how about when she was like, Oh, Davos, make me a friend for my little <laughs> wooden statue that will burn with me in a few hours' time. Um, no, they and also when like Jorah is like, my queen, give me your hand. She didn't touch his hand though. She took his hand, but not the wrist. But I don't know what you got to touch. Yeah, I don't know which. <laughs> he's got the thing on. Southern it. rap song. I think important. he's got the thing on it. Why else would they linger on it? Why else would they linger on her linking hands with uh, <sighs> Missing Day? I mean, oh, similarly, so now they gotta get Mad Maesters out to cure all the grayscales. I'm just saying, and the one person who survived it is now Ashes. So, but also, um, I felt like Marin Tran was looking at at uh, uh, Arya because he was basically like she would do so maybe that's how she's going to get in to kill him in this next episode by basically being the next girl up okay that's my that's my other prediction I mean, I'm not looking forward to that scene there are a lot of scenes I'm not looking forward to next week here's what I want to know about the fine the final sequence the fighting pits which uh, I love I love the look at sports gambling in Marine that's yeah. fantastic I want to know who's who's a sharp there who's mm-hmm. who's 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 betting market inefficiencies? Sure. Who's got? Is there in-game bet betting? Can mm-hmm. you? Is there props? Do you get to bet on like this guy's gonna like lose a leg in the first two minutes? Yeah. Uh, but when they got attacked by the ever-growing roster of Sons of Harpy, yeah. I want. Where's Grey Worm? Does that guy have like? Is he have like? He has disability. Does he have Cigna? Is he like just I, still laid I, up in I bed? I think he took a couple weeks to find himself. Okay, you know what I mean, like he's just he, he's his body's all right, but up here, yeah, he's, he's not like, ready to get what back am I really all about? Yeah, right. well, let, let, he, he's okay. Of, he's just in bed. I think he's just resting. But a couple questions. My first move, if I was trying to root out a seemingly unstoppable insurgency group, right? And the insurgency group isn't necessarily based on its murdering ability, but on its very heavy masks. Yeah, those would, guys are not necessarily supposed to be the most talented. People. I would go check out the smelters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd be like, who has been making who's the mask masks? Yeah, who's the guy? Time? Who's got the masks? Secondly, Stake that guy out was a little unclear who they were stabbing, other than everyone. everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, basically, Marine is divided into two camps: the people in the turquoise and gold robes, and the people with no robes. Yeah, it's basically skins and shirts in Marine. It's not that complicated, and yet the the, the sons of the harpy were just stabbing. They were just stabbing dudes. I didn't. Under, I. I don't know. I don't know what's their. What's their ideology? Just get out. They're mad. They're mad. Okay. I, I. I thought that they wanted uh, to restore slavery, oh, right? And okay. then when they captured one of them, there was the the young slave who was given a speaking part, which curtains for you, my friend. I know, a speaking right. part. But he then went into the cell to to kill the guy who was the terrorist to solve the problem, right. and then she <laughs> killed him, which only escalated the problem. Um, yeah, I mean, 
can we go now? That's my feeling about Marine. I mean, that was if that was what it was I mean, building she out. to. She, 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 she ghost rode the dragon. First of all, props <laughs> to Daenerys for copying my social strategy from roughly 2004 to 2010 at all bars and the parties. The Greenwald Irish goodbye. Yeah, just like, really? Let me get back to you. Whoosh. Dude, I really want to talk about that record. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dismemberment Planner, a funny band to bring up here, but <laughs> gone. Ghost. Um, uh, it seemed unsporting, considering she gathered all her friends into basically yeah, a small circle. I, she really, she did not get their backs. That is not, uh, that's not true leadership. There was a moment on Veep a couple weeks ago, and this is, I, I love making Game of Thrones Veep comparisons. Remember when there was an, an invader in the White House and, and Mike, the press secretary, is yeah. captured on video ducking? <laughs> yes. That's basically what Daenerys did, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, she was like, I will I will die here, but, oh, wait, my ride's here. <laughs> Peace. Um, That's not cool. What do you think, like, here's my only thing about the dragon riding part. The only thing? You can is have more that than one thing. I wonder how much there of that is there's going to be, you don't have to tell me. I don't internet. know. I, I know. Uh, because I don't think you can ride a dragon without it looking like Falcor from NeverEnding Story. Good call. And that's just not really trill to me. It's just like... <laughs> you know, like it's it's. There's no way to ride a dragon that doesn't look fake. Yeah. So I hope that less is more with dragon riding. I dragon totally agree. solo without without. Well, that's, why I, was thinking, riding that's why I was thinking dragon warging could really be a, a a good fix. Or if she gets like a a kind of like a, a you know what's a, like a the, the motorcycle where they have like a little sidecar. Maybe she can just get like a little sidecar. Oh. oh. So that there's not any like I don't want to have to worry about like saddles or what's yeah. What are your what's your harness situation? That would by the way. Sure, but I just feel like also just like an immediate, like Drogon was very untamable recently, and now she's just like riding him around, like, does he have GPS? Where are they going? Like, I, He clearly had no idea where he <laughs> yeah, was going he's just or like, what he I'm was doing. I'm taking the tap and Z. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I hope you have $8, because I am not paying What's this ways? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just go where I want to go. Yeah. I mean, it was, but this is what the show can do in the best way. I mean, it was, that whole scene was crazy, and it was exciting in the sense that it, it took the chaos of yes. the end of last week, and it yeah. seemed to echo it and then escalate it and then this time though there was a way out there was a a, a chance to potentially turn turn the odds um it's also something that we've been waiting for for many 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 years in one way or another was for it to actually use these dragons that she's advertises yeah so that was exhilarating and exciting and representative of everything that's great about investing time it's, in the show. it's also a testament to how amazing the uh the hard home fight was with that i was like yeah this woman just rode a dragon and i'm like that's pretty cool. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Wait, what else you got? Well, speaking of what else you got, uh, we're not going to have a Watch the Thrones yeah, up this. in the studio, a studio version of it this Thursday, because uh, we'll be recording live. Uh, yeah, we we'll should mention that for people who don't know. So we are recording live at Rock Shop in Park Slope. Yep. Thursday, doors are at 7, the show is at 8, I yeah. believe. Um, get there early. Get there early. I, we, there's, I would love to be able to tell you you can definitely get in, but maybe... But it's 21 plus, no cover. That's right. All, uh, all our 17-year-old fans Sorry. Bad. Uh, all, all our Shireen-aged fans. <laughs> yeah. Just stay close to your parents. Do whatever they tell you. Yeah. Try reading for a living. Try reading. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But so we're not going to have that. So, we so can... let's talk a little bit about what we're kind of looking towards. And I get the really creepy feeling like this is not going to be a very uplifting finale. I just feel like there's too many people who either have too big of dreams or are just cruising for a bruising. Also... If you have been watching the way the show has been telegraphing certain things, there's one big one coming that I, that I, I figured out, and I'm not into it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen Cersei in a minute. I assume she's still sucking water off of the floor. Right. There's a lot of, a lot of loose ends. We've got uh, Cersei, we've got Jamie's and Dorne and looking real chill. 
Like Dorn he's just, seems like, awesome. Working on his memoirs. Dor- Dorn seems <laughs> and awesome. His handwriting too. And his handwriting. Dorn seems awesome not only because people are just very very lax about you know um, being rude to kings to rebellions yeah. to invading your country and killing some of your knights. I mean, people have a very relaxed attitude about that stuff. Possibly because the population of that country is 15 people tops. Yeah, they haven't Maybe really spent max. a lot on extras there. We haven't gotten the, the, the long tracking shot of the slums of Dorne. I, I guess the thing about that that is... I, I'm not going to say frustrating, um, because I like Bronn, and I like Jamie, and Prince Doran seems like a pretty reasonable they really dude. bench Jamie, though. Jamie's like Timothy Mozgov in the fourth quarter right now. He's just like... Sports. Yeah, well, he's just not getting any floor time. He's not getting any floor time. And what he did was... Maybe. And it was a strong start to the season for him where I felt like there was a yeah. lot. There was, like, Jamie had a quest, and but it's strange. Like, they've basically had Jamie on the road for two years now, right? But I also think that two, two, the main, what I gather to be the two main takeaways of that mission, just in terms of narrative structure, um, weren't particularly fulfilling. Yeah. One was potentially the emotional payoff of him being like, I'm here to rescue you because you're my daughter. I have feelings about this that aren't just because you're my niece or because yes. I worship Cersei right. and I do whatever she says. That so far has been kind of... A, a zero. The second was would be to expand the world and bring in this other interesting part of the, the realm. And what Ilaria Sand said to him last night about, um, you know, forgiving him, basically saying, "I'm going to imagine that it's possible that you are not your name, that you yeah. are more than that," is one of the central ideas of the most positive central idea that I can pull out of the show. It's the world that Jon Snow seems to be interested in building. It's the world that Tyrion seems to be interested in living in. Maybe Daenerys is interested in making it. Um, so all of that seems worthwhile, maybe. It's but, interesting. But, the, but it, the three Lannisters, living Lannisters, yeah. uh, aside from Tommy, uh, they all... <laughs> Tommy. Tommy boy. Tommy. How come no one's made that poster? Um, the three adult Lannisters mm. have all gone through a very similar experience where they've been shown slash imagined slash indulged in a new version of the world that they live in. So with yeah. Cersei, it's this like religiously, like religious fundamentalism. With Jaime, he goes and finds out that there's a place where he could just be him. Yep. You know, uh, and Tyrion finds, you know, this whole other world and this whole other ruler yeah. and has the opportunity to have a fundamental impact on and, how she rules. And is talking like Varys at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Saying maybe it was a failure of imagination, not a failure of, well, of you, leadership. You can whatever. imagine pretty much anything you want once you see a dragon flying over a stadium. Which, let me go back to that again and say, that's truly great. And right. I feel like... We need to have those moments of wonder. And I'm not saying we need more of them. I'm not saying we need happy endings because we have been very much assured that we're not getting one of those. Yeah. But the moments of of world building, of wonder, of the look on Dinklage's face at the end of the episode was made almost everything else worth it. Yeah. Because it has to be it has to be a balance. I mean, you know, Hot Pie remembered that when he was baking cakes. I wonder you gotta get the ratios right. Well, so the thing that's interesting is that the last these last two episodes have both featured rather extensive set pieces to end the episode, which sort of curtailed all the various plot lines that they were telling. Yeah. And we've still got a lot of people with a lot of ground to cover if we're going to end up in any kind of, and that part is over and a new part is beginning yes. for a lot of these characters. Yes. And I wonder whether or not we're going to wind up with a Cersei still in jail or a Brienne is still waiting for the candle to go on kind of situation. Into next season, you mean? Yeah, because I'm not so sure how they have the time, if they're going to have the time to, to wrap all this stuff up. No, and it, it seems – I'm curious about that because we're also losing – we're losing people and characters. And unless, for example, Uncle Kevin is hugely important in a way we have not to imagine. led to believe, it's hard to imagine. Or that Prince Tristane of Dorne is going to roll into King's Landing and be like, guess what? It's, yeah. We're doing this my way now. Right. Uh, again, hard to imagine. Um, I, I, 
it, it, it's tough to see it's tough to sketch out where things are going because for example i've been really into i think we both have been really into john snow's learning curve which suddenly mm-hmm. accelerated because he among well certainly there aren't that many surviving starks but among many of the characters that we believe in he's had the most active application of his knowledge of that the world could be different yes. he's yeah. been a- adopting a, a more traditional hero's role yes. whereas arya is learning things and is certainly still active and is one of the most beloved characters on the show I'm sure in the books as well, but what she's doing is so specific and so far away, and it feels so disconnected. I yeah. mean, in, in a way, it's nice when um, old dummy old man Tyrell, who set sail a few episodes ago, shows up there because it's a it's a quicker. It's reminder. not like you're, you're just being written off the season for a couple. It, I mean, that's a, that, it's that a nice way to connect dots and draw. That this show closer. does so well is like it'll bring back the guy. I can't remember what what Sir whoever who was the one who was saying no, too old. Marin Trant, yeah. Marin, Marin, right. He's been there since season one. Um, but it, it's tricky to see. Like, King's Landing, one thing we've said about it, and I, I'm not eager to spend more time in that city because it's awesome, but it was the site of a lot of the best characters, and most of those characters are now gone. Yeah. Cersei is basically there alone. Um, and so if something happens to her at the end of this episode, at the end of the season, is that off the map? I mean, it's still the place where everyone wants to go. Um I feel like they got Mark Gaddis out here just doling out dollars in Bravo, so they're going to yeah. use him a little bit more? He's made two appearances. This is Mycroft Holmes <laughs> yeah. uh, from BBC Sherlock. Nice that he showed up. I, yeah. mean, I don't know if he'll, he'll be back again. I guess we have no way of knowing. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that Daenerys... Who didn't like usury? Was it the Targaryens were just like, credit is bad? Who doesn't like that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you asking me personally? No, or? Is, doesn't Tyrell say, like, oh, back in the day, you used to chop the hands off of a guy who would make a loan? Oh, yeah, it was probably the Targaryens. Yeah. It's always always, arbitrary bl- always blame the Targaryens yeah. when in doubt. Um, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not going to predict anything other than the fact that if, if the Daenerys plotline continues to emerge as the one that is the leading story, I mean, mm-hmm. the one that we are most interested in and most invested in, especially now that Tyrion's there. I like Tyrion. I like Dario. Missandei seems nice. Grey Worm is really, really taking a yeah, little... Yeah, seriously, man. I mean, maybe it's the concussion Put rule. some cream and clear on it and get out there. But maybe it's the concussion <laughs> rule. Like, you, like, like you have to be out of the match. You know what I mean? Like, you can't come back onto the pitch until, like, a week or two or whatever. I, honestly, like, I, I'm a little bit just unimpressed with the the Unsullied in general. Yeah. I thought that these guys were world beaters. It I, seems like the first time anybody else in masks yeah. steps to them, they're just like, oh! Oh, no! <laughs> Can she get her money back? I don't know. Um... I'm guess I'm saying is that they need a little more need a little more oomph need yeah. one more heavy yeah. hitter to join that team before I'm all the way in. We'll see what happens next week. It's weird. Like, so where are you? Where are you with the show? And then we're gonna we're gonna talk psyched. more about it on Thursday. You're just psyched. Yeah, I mean, I'm into it. I I don't like the. There are a few characters that are central to my enjoyment of the show. Yeah. Um, that I would rather not lose any of them. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like it's inevitable, even though it goes against the laws of some some laws of television yep. that one of my faves is going to is going to get X'd out um just because also just the cycle of the show suggests it. Yeah. I I but I I don't have I feel like every time I give Game of Thrones more than 10 minutes of thought, I see a lot of like threads that they've been putting together there like even that that Lannister's thing. That I'm like this is just an exceptional piece of 
drama and storytelling. And I know that it's ridiculous and I know that it has its issues and I know sometimes it can be punishing. But ultimately, I'm just really like engaged with the world building and engaged with the characters. Yeah, I, I and I, I am ultimately the same way too. It's just that, that recurring drumbeat, you know, and I likened it in the piece to what that speech that Tyrion had about Cousin Orson just smashing bugs. I mean, the, Benioff and Weiss know what is going to come at them. They, they write these lines yeah. into it to basically deflect yeah. criticism or to wink a little bit at the audience. But it is relentless. It's not necessarily the kind of entertainment I like best. I would like to have it be leavened with something else. And I just it does not appear that there is room for that. And that's something that I'm going to have to make peace with. Um, you want to talk about Broadway? Here's what I want to talk about. I do. I do. I, now everyone's just <laughs> quietly clicking everybody off. everybody going to mute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to say this. Over the years of doing the show, which I've been enjoy- treasured, really. Yeah, it's we're re- been a nice little... We're recording this on Grantland's fourth anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Yeah, happy we were, anniversary. We were both there day one. We've loved every minute of it. We started the pod in 12. Mm-hmm. Early on in 12, I made a couple passing references to maybe theatrical productions, and you were like a Broadway critic, Broadway correspondent over here. <laughs> so when I texted you, I was out of town. I haven't seen you yet since you got here yeah. until just now. And I was like, what? I you enjoying the big city? And you were like, Sparkling performance of Fun Home tonight at the Lucille Lortel Theater. Is that where it was? I don't know it's where it was. The circle in the square, man. Oh, see, I just yeah. I just teased you out. This this you really stunned me with this. Look, I, I knew I was coming. Uh, I thought it would be nice to do like a very New York thing. I was thinking about going to see Skylight with my girl Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, but you know, I didn't really feel like sitting through a politically charged British play. That's and, what Game of Thrones is for. You know. Uh, my girlfriend was a really big Alison Bechdel fan, and she was just like, we, we sort of noted that Fun Home was getting raves. You noted it? Yeah, and I just was like, let's but go to Fun you, Home. You're paging through Time Out in And New then York as we're coming LA? out here, it's like, you know, Fun Home's up for a lot of Tonys. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, and then last night, after we saw it Friday night, and it won Best Musical last night, Best Director. It won... Uh, Did you feel invested in those wins? Um... I mean, compared to the fact that I, I mean, I didn't see any of the other competitions, so it would be <laughs> literally pod. like being like, yeah. So, um, so sell me on it. Tell okay, me so Fun Home is about Alison Bechdel looking back on her past, trying to figure out or unlock some of the secrets about her father. Is she in real life, she is a cartoonist yes, and writer, right? And so this is based on a graphic. So novel. So it's sort of you. You go to the theater, and then there's this woman standing at a, a drawing desk uh, like a draftsman table and she's singing and talking about her family and but you sort of see these flashbacks before the curtain goes up is it one of those There's immersive no theater it's experiences the theater the, yeah so you just walk in and she's already there no, singing you walk to herself in and the living room is there and then the, the show starts okay so yeah i want you to be very specific here okay and then you see basically a bunch of flashbacks from her perspective mm. of her life in uh pennsylvania and then her like life at college at Oberlin, and then just these interactions between the various. <laughs> Keep telling me about this theatrical phases of her own experience, mm. where she's trying to unlock why her father killed himself, and it has something mm. to do with his sexuality. I don't want to give away a lot about it. I mean, I, I can start to put two and two together yeah, here. Um, it it was very moving. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So. That you were moved by, but a a child being barbecued on Sunday night because television. Because one like, is about eh. like a thing with dragons. I just don't take it that seriously. All right, all right. So you're genreist. It was that was punishing, but it was not like I was like, this is really like, what are we going to do about the way Game of Thrones parents kids? Yeah. It's never been good at parenting. No, I, I I definitely do not think that that is, in itself is a problem. Yes. No. So anyway, back to Fun Home. Uh, yeah, seriously, back to Broadway. Pretty decent. Like I like yeah. the music. They won, I think, best uh, score. Did you watch the Tonys instead of Game I of didn't. Thrones? I didn't. I had last the night? NBA and Game of Thrones last night. But which did you watch? I watched Kelly O'Hara do the worm when she there won Best Actress. Is. There's <laughs> no, the truth. I, I watched LeBron. Uh, 
God, what else can I say about it? Just like across the board, some pretty great performances. You know, it's there's a girl who plays the 11 year old version of her or the young version of her. Is this girl named? She's C- got dragon scale Cindy all over Lucas, her face, and she's like yeah. uh, Dakota Fanning in that like the soul of a 45 year old Broadway veteran inside yeah. of like a little person. Terrifying. Yeah, it's but she's great. I mean, she is just a dynamo, and she uh, she does like she has like a last song, and then the the play ends, and you can just or the musical ends, and you can just see that she's just like. Why didn't you? She's bring, like eleven. You're like, what are you doing? Why didn't you bring any of this enthusiasm for the boards? You know, for for the, for the, for the oldest art. Why didn't you bring any of that to when I was in plays in college and you come to see me? You did such arch stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it was, it was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't soul searching. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. You never busted into song, did That's, you? Uh, no. Yeah. No. So if I had if I had been singing, yeah, you if you were in the one. King and I, I would have been like. You just you're a mu- are you a musicals guy? No, I'm not. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just know like you know Kelly O'Hara won for the King and I and deserved it. Yeah, after so many years, so many years of toiling. <laughs> yeah. I did. I, you know what? Real talk. I, I did see her in South Pacific, and she was how was it? Divine. She was yeah. divine. Was that at Lincoln Center? It was at Lincoln Center. What? <laughs> 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 you know the best thing about these podcasts in person is that we get a chance to learn so much about each other. Ask me anything you want. Um, did you? take advantage of my favorite invention to come to Broadway or in fact theater in any of my 30 plus years on this earth which is the liquor sippy cup that you can bring to your seat I did not know about that yeah no I mean are you paying $19 for doers on the rocks yeah yeah but can you take it back to your seat and just sort of pretend it's like a go-gurt and just (laughs) down it yeah, you can. I think um, that makes theater much better. We were in a situation where there was no intermission at Fun Home. Oh, that's a situation. And a lady told us in no uncertain terms that we could pee on ourselves if we would like. Like, not which could, lady, but she was just like the one sitting at the desk. You, she was like, if you need to get up, don't get up. Who, what lady? The usher. Oh, yeah, yeah all right. theater manager. <laughs> the taxonomy of the theater people yelling at you. So what did you do? I, nobody yelled at me. I was very focused. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why you didn't drink anything. Yeah. Because you were worried I about was your so bladder. so parched. <laughs> Speaking of being so parched, that yeah. does make me think of Matt Damon and the Martian. Great, great segue. I'm Thanks. glad you're, we're getting off fun home. We're now. coming back to it. Okay. You're not getting away from this. Um, we did want to do a little bit of Trailer Park, the, mm-hmm. the Matt Damon. But when's this opening? Like, n- never. Never! I, a long time from now. Do you, want to talk Christmas? About Rid- Do you want to talk about Ridley Scott? Because you are a Ridley Scott you know, guy. I watched Exodus on the plane out here. That's a fascinating choice. I know that you are Jewish. Is it okay that I liked it? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't think you were like Team Pharaoh, were you? <laughs> Ramses! <laughs> like, no, I liked the first hour. Because the first hour is this really weird domestic squabble. Oh, when the Jews of- are slaves? That's the best part you liked? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm half Jewish. You know that. Uh-huh. Yeah, convenient. <laughs> Have Jewish have Ramses. Why does why does why does Exodus why does Exodus gods and kings have a locust problem? <laughs> Let's really ask about it. Um, I didn't know. I, that once they get to the plagues, it's kind of just like lots of shots of of Joel Edgerton holding his baby up, you know. But uh, <laughs> what in Fun Home? No, in Exodus oh. Gods and Kings. But the first hour of that movie is not as bad as people would lead you believe. See, this is our, our our friend and coworker Sean Fantasy tweeted this earlier today, which is basically that, that Ridley Scott is one of our most preeminent filmmakers yeah. he can get almost anything greenlit he can direct whatever he wants he's 70 something he's been on a weird one for a couple of years but, now. i love it but I mean, what's Prometheus, interesting is that, the counselor and this but he does some weird stuff yeah like his his ratio is strange for such a high profile filmmaker i mean remember when he made the movie about russell crowe falling in love with french wine a yes, good year a good year i like that movie 
I mean, I like the idea of him making it, but he's one of our preeminent action directors, and that is an interesting curveball. Don't put curve him in that box, man. Come on. That's what I'm saying. I don't want him in that box. So his new movie... This one looks like the most, like, actually Hollywood sort of, like, it's a rescue mission. So Basically, it's the based on this bestseller. Terrific. I think it's by a guy named, I want to say Andy Weir, but I'm not sure. I want to say Andy, too. Okay. That's all I care about. Um, I apologize if I got that wrong. And this book is a, I, you know, I keep picking it up in airports. But you're like, no, I got a hot day with Exodus, Gods, and Kings. But it has, like, a very, like, you can just tell, like, if you read 15 pages, you'd be like, I gotta go finish this tonight. It's yeah. just that kind of compelling plot. Uh, it's about an um, astronaut who's on a mission to Mars who gets left behind by his crew by yeah. accident, and he has to survive on Mars for a certain amount of time. Um, it's got an all-star cast. cast you just nice. watched the trailer. You were just like literally going, Chastain's in this? Yeah. You know, and, Donald uh, Glover is in it. Donald, Michael Peña. Also, Kristen Wiig is in it, and apparently, and you, you said this, so yeah. you, could, you can run with it. I said that she only seems to be there to do prayer emoji hands. The entire trailer. Yeah, she, she's every like, trailer, she's like... Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like uh, Eliza Coop in Happy Endings. She's like, no, she's like her character on Saturday Night Live who like loves surprises so much. Yeah, you know? right. That's, that's surprise. That's, he's on Mars. That's um. who she's being. But this is interesting to me because this is one of those books that like bef- well before it, it publishes, they sell the film rights. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk. It's yeah. predestined to be a bestseller in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's about – it's basically – it's Home Alone meets Gravity. I think is that a fair uh, Apollo pitch? 13 on Mars, whatever. Oh, yeah. that's better. Because Home Alone meets Gravity would imply he was a child and setting booby traps for aliens. And we all know how much I love children in peril, just across <laughs> entertainment. But what's interesting about this to me is this is one of those projects that could have been directed by anyone. There was like a 10-director list who makes these entertainments. Sure. So Zemeckis could have gotten it. Spielberg could have gotten it. Your boy Brad Bird. Um, Brad Bird, I'm sure, was sent it, although I think he's in director jail now after Tomorrowland lost all of the money for our corporate <laughs> company. Um, but... So Ridley Scott got it. So does that make you more interested in it because it might be a more interesting film because he's behind it? Or is it a sign of Ridley being like, oh, one for you, one for them, no, one for I me? No, I don't think he does one for you. Because, like, his one for you, he'll – for whatever reason, they just keep giving him these huge properties and then he'll be yeah. like, thanks. I'm going to make something really weird now. Yeah. So on the surface, something like Exodus should be – I mean, Exodus is part of, like, his sort of swords and sandals series Kingdom of films of they make Kingdom of Heaven Gladiator and I think that it's also not unlike Robin Hood where, where you can tell that there was another movie he was yeah. trying to make that then kind of got caught I mean, up he with made the, that Robin Hood movie He's which is weird so it spend, which spends like most of the first act and a half is like pre-Robin Hood it's yeah. like him in France trying to get out of France wasn't supposed to be and yeah it was supposed to be an origin story and then they're like we better get the sheriff Nottingham up in here you know we better get him in here <laughs> who would they cast Rufus Sewell Mark Strong oh Mark Strong my yeah. man yeah that seems like Rufus Sewell written all over it um, <laughs> other thing about the Martian trailer obviously devoting way too much time to it but Damon back I'm pretty happy about that I feel like he never really went anywhere but I feel like in the perception, you guys of are also he did, soft on Damon. Put the screws to Damon. What's he done recently? I have never been soft. I on like Damon. Matt Damon, but like, let's just be real. Like Matt Damon hasn't dropped an, a like a he hasn't dropped like you didn't, you didn't think Elysium was a an, in the club in a while. Yeah, what? Like, well, Damon, the, the, I mean, he was good in Contagion. It's unfair that this is the way the that the the weights work. But like Affleck goes up and Damon goes down again. That's the way people perceive it because they're always going to be compared to each other. And there was that run, that crazy run when when Bourne took off, and yeah. then he was just making all these other smart movies in right. between and getting all this cred. And he does seem like a, a decent and smart guy and is a good performer. And Affleck was just down for the count, and then all of a sudden Affleck went on his tear, mm-hmm. 
as a you know emerged as an auteur filmmaker, and, and all of a sudden, what was up with Damon? He's chilling. I mean, he's chilling. Kids. He has like nineteen children. Yeah, no Shireen, but he has a lot of kids. No, he has like a normal amount of children. In New York City, anything over one and a half is not a normal amount of children, right? Doesn't That's like he like live in Miami or something like that? I think he lives in the Upper West Side. Well, wherever he lives. He lives near where you're staying. I just think he should make some like solid movies. Like he keeps like appearing in some good movies or making yeah. some bad movies. And I, I I love Matt Damon. I think he's really cool. But I just mean I think sometimes he just gets a weird pass. And he's he's making another Bourne movie. Are we happy about that? No, because he just came stole Renner's spot. That's true. That's true. <laughs> People keep snatching things from Jeremy. By the way, we never talked about that. About what? Avengers: Age of Ultron. I never saw it. You never saw it? Oh, wow! Can I be honest with you? Yeah, that looks kind of stupid. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty dumb in yeah. a lot of ways. But I wanted to talk to you about the big Renner turn. What happens? I, I'm, I, he gets about. a lot of time in that movie, right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like it though. Him getting a lot of screen time. I, I feel like he could have done better. Okay. I feel like he got saddled with a plot that Whedon wanted to make that doesn't suit his unique talents. What are his unique talents? He's a firecracker, man. Like, you don't know what Renner's going to do. When you let Renner <laughs> loose in the open field, he's like Barry Sanders. He will shake and juke people. That's true. You know what I'm saying? That's he true. is not a straight up the middle runner. Renner just runner. needs some blocks. Renner just needs some blocks, and you give him the space to get creative. Yeah, like, give him, give, give, make, let him make plays. What's the best thing Renner has done in the last three years that doesn't involve him calling Scarlett Johansson's fictional character a slut? Uh, uh, let me tell you. I'm going to answer it. Getting yelled at by Edward Norton in that movie? That was pretty good. But uh, when he was on Louie. Did you see him on Louie when he just shows up as like a, a neighborhood dirtbag weed dealer? No. He just shows up there and he's just like measuring out dime bags of, of, of marijuana grass or whatever the kids call it. Does he say anything? The 70s. Yeah. And he, you know what he's good at doing? Smoking cigarettes like he's in a 70s movie. He manhandles a Pall Mall like nobody's business. Really? Yeah. I'm saying he's great in that because he's, there is no expectation. No one knows he's on this FX comedy show. Probably no one watched it. But he's great in that, in the same way that he's great in the town, in the same way that he's been great in all of the times he's been great. We are back to Renner. This is what happens when you put us in the room together. Um, can I give one more shout-out to uh, a television property? That yeah, you do it for uh, my man Doc Strange. Doc Strange. What if – that would be a good look if they, the BBC America people accidentally tweeted the wrong name of the TV show. they get a lot of viewers. They would get a lot more viewers. Uh, so this is Jonathan Strange and Dr. Moreau. Nope. Jonathan, Jonathan Strange and the Island of Dr. Moreau. Nope. <laughs> there is a novel about – Yay, 11 years ago, called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell yeah. by Susanna Clark. It is terrific. <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Dr. Moreau. These are all the mashups that, that are more fire. interesting than the show. <laughs> just just little mutant tiger babies. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch just gets like transported to that island. Most people don't know that Dr. Strange's first name isn't Jonathan, right? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's Barry. <laughs> Barry Strange. Barry Strange would be a good movie, too. It's, it's, What's that guy's Steve, right? It's Steve. Yeah. Steve Strange. Steven. Um... 11 years ago, this incredible book, a large book, not going to lie to you. Yeah, it's a doorstopper. Uh, but it is one of the best books I remember reading this century. Uh, it is basically an imagined... I remember this period. Imagined... Yeah. It was when I was living outside of New York. Okay. It was, uh, it was during the lost year, but I, that's probably what allowed me to read it, so... So I can just imagine intently. you walking around Iowa with it, like that book, like, Idaho. hi, guys. Idaho. Just, Idaho. Just, well, I, actually, I never walked around or spoke to anyone, but <laughs> it's a cool place, though. Definitely visit. Um, Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norrell, Susanna Clark. It's like an imagined history of Victorian England if magic were real. Yeah. It's written in the style of a Victorian novel, which obviously is right up my alley, but maybe not you, Mr. Broadway, but it's what I like. Um, Do they break into song? Unclear. Although there are some folk medleys about uh, John Usglass, the Raven King. So I'll throw that one out there <laughs> okay. for you. 
Anyway, it's a fantastic book about magic, uh, and it was going to be like The Martian. It was a bestseller, and it was going to be a movie, and there was just no way for that to be a movie. It's just too big of a narrative. So finally, BBC and BBC America partnered and made a miniseries. I've watched the first few episodes of it. I'm going to be writing about it this week. Eddie Marzon from uh, movie Happy Go Lucky, from your and my mom's favorite show, Ray Donovan. And Bertie Carvel, who was on the show um, Babylon, English show Danny Boyle did that yeah. I really like. The casting is perfect. Everything looks fantastic. And I know Game of Thrones runs another week, but this might be a good fix. Yeah. Some it, Game of Thrones methadone. It's Yeah, it's it's a low-grade methadone. There are definitely no, uh, um, no child burnings. Let's just put it right out there. There are no dragons. Yes. But in terms of the scope of imagination... In a way that is really narratively exciting and emotionally fulfilling. Like I, this is this is my show for the next few weeks. Good stuff. I'm excited I'll check it out. It. All right. You'd be happier if they sang. Yeah. I mean, I, I think anything, any any show could be enlivened by a bit of song. Well, Game of Thrones has songs. That's true. But they usually don't lead to the happiest. <laughs> you don't want to hear them. You, you don't want to hear them. Um, all right, yeah. man. So we are going to be doing Game of Thrones, Watch the Thrones live this coming Thursday are you at about Rock it? Shop and Park Slope. I am excited. You nervous? Uh, no. How's our prop game looking? We haven't talked to any of our producers about it yet. Mallory was going to buy me a full Ned Stark outfit. I don't know if I'm going to be able to wear that. Can can we use our corporate cards for this stuff? Un- unclear. Let's let's put um, that out in the ether and hope good things happen. But yeah, it's happen. Uh, at Rock Shop, Door 7, Show at 8, in Brooklyn. Please come through. We're excited. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Come early. Come early. Dress up? No, don't dress up. Don't dress up. Dress um, up. Don't bring be, your dog either. Don't gonna, bring your dog. Don't bring your wolf. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hot. You know yeah. that? Good. Excited. 88 degrees in the shade. Um, I'll see you next week. I'll see you Thursday. Great job, Baranski! Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.